Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Dan, a big welcome to you. Thank you, Dennis. It's a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. Hey, whereabouts in the world are you today? I'm in beautiful Austin, Texas. Great place for uh, any technology company to be these days. Awesome. Yeah, very good. And football, American football, are you a follower of any team? Absolutely. I watched my team lose last night on TV, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. <laughs> very good. I actually have traveled to the US and to Texas in particular a lot, and I love the Dallas Cowboys. I think they're great. And you have yeah. a lot of company there. Texas is uh, all about football when it comes to sports. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. All righty. Hey, I've given our listeners a little bit of an introduction to you. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Sure. You know, I'm an engineer by education. I've spent my entire career focused on developing and bringing new energy technologies to market. During my career, I've worked in research development and product development. I was an associate director at one of the U.S. Department of Energy National Labs. I led the gas turbine product lines for General Electric. I led Jill Cell Energy as a publicly traded company, and I've also worked in uh, solar solutions companies. So my career has always been about taking innovative energy-related technologies from concept to commercialization. Everyone loves a leader with lots of energy. That's a good thing too, right? So uh, it is. Yes. Yeah, it's very good. Awesome. Hey, um, tell me something. How did you get into leadership? Well, it didn't happen through any deliberate plan. You know, anytime you're bringing new technology from concept to commercialization, there are always unexpected surprises. The earlier you are in the development and commercialization of a technology, the less time and money you think it's going to take because you just don't have enough information yet about the technical, the manufacturing, the commercialization challenges. So I found my way into leadership roles largely as a result of being on teams that face challenges, bringing new technologies to market and being personally willing to take the initiative and getting the team through the process of identifying, evaluating, and implementing solutions, and then being willing to be accountable if the solutions didn't deliver what was needed. So when you are openly working to enable and facilitate your team success, it just leads to more opportunities to lead bigger and bigger groups. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so I think one thing for our listeners here is that actually put your hand up. I think if you're, you're there in teams, and a great opportunity for you to develop as an individual as a leader, would be to put your hand up and, you know, say that you want to be willing to do things. Is that what, you, more or less what you're saying here, Dan, right? You've, you've gone to edit something. It really comes down to. It's, you know, it's not just being willing to put your hand up, but to really have an idea on how you can help the team be successful. Because you've got to be willing to say, there's something I can bring either in terms of my experience base, my tool set or whatever, to help the team solve a problem and think about how is the team going to succeed? Because you all win if, uh, if the team is successful. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay, cool. So just putting your hands up, it's also being in there and bringing your value or bring some value to the table and doing things. 
Dan, you've mentioned a few things here, well, one thing several times, and it's about implementing solutions and so forth. A lot of people come to the leader at times with the problem and try yep. to take the monkey, if I could put it that way, off their shoulders onto the leader's shoulder. How important or what is one or two things people should do when they're going to, to their leader with a problem? What do you think they should be doing? Well, you know, I think no leader enjoys just getting a data dump of here's the problem. Because a lot of times they're not close enough to it to really understand the context as well as maybe the people that are on that team. What you really want to do is say, hey, here's the problem. Here's my thought on what I think we should do. I need your advice. I need your counsel. Is that going to work? Or what, you know, should we try to do something different? Because it also helps the leadership identify who's the next generation of leaders. They might have an idea that won't work for any number of reasons. But what you see is somebody that wants to see the team succeed. They're willing to craft solutions. They're not just handing the problem off to somebody else and say, please solve this for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. I, I like that, team. I think a lot of people should come to the leader with, okay, here's the scenario. Here are one or two or three solutions. This is the one we're recommending and why. Because, you know, I think it's, it's good. And it's a great learning process for people too. I think the big, big word that I want to sort of emphasize here that I'm hearing Dan say is execution. It's all good to talk about things, but actually executing it and delivering on that is really critical for everybody and organizations. Yeah, it's absolutely essential. You know, one of the worst things that a leader can do is not make a decision. Oh, yeah. You're never going to have all the information you'd like, but the importance of making a decision, being willing to acknowledge it wasn't the right path, need to change direction is important. But the worst thing you can do is just sit there and say, I don't know what to do. Oh, I love it. It's music to my ears because I think you're so right in what you're saying. Leaders not making a decision. Nobody wants that. Come on. No. We've got to make a decision. I think what we're saying here as well is that a lot of leaders want to make the right decision. We don't know all the time whether it's going to be a right decision. Make one and then you can always adjust, right? And move exactly. forward. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Very good. All righty. Now, this is an interesting question here because you may have been asked it a lot before in your career. And it could be somebody who's alive or from history, but who is your favorite leader and why? Hmm. Ah, great question. It's hard to pick one because we've had so many in our history. But if I had to think about one that just really stands out to me, it'd be Abraham Lincoln. He is someone who came from very humble beginnings. You know, he lost his mother at a young age. He was alienated by his father. He was largely self-taught, uh, became a lawyer and a great public speaker, you know, got elected to the state legislature. Uh, and he went on to become president and lead the country through one of its most fragile times. And he led based on his values and his belief in what is right. And he made decisions that at the time were terribly unpopular in many parts of the country, but he stayed true to his values and he fundamentally changed the course of our nation. So what was it like facing the Haka? And for our listeners who don't understand that, the Haka is more of a challenge for people and they tend to do that in front of their opposition. So, Felipe, what was it like to face the, the New Zealand All Blacks? It is scary. You're facing one of the best teams in the world. You know, our team has a 90% winning ratio. Probably one of the top two or three teams globally. And facing them with a team of mainly players from the Pacific Islands, from Samoa itself, was really challenging because he had many of our professional players who couldn't face them. So I had to you know, be really, um, you know, be really sort of vulnerable and to actually accept the challenge to face the best in the world. So when you're facing, it's like facing your, you know, it's like your worst nightmare, but they're right in front of you. So it is scary, it's fearful, but you have to be vulnerable, but you have to lead at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, of course, 
respecting it as well. And I know that from a Mana Samoa team, you also did one back as well, didn't you, as a haka? I don't know what you're sure, sure what you called it, but did you do one also back to them? Yeah, we did. It's part of, because it's being Polynesian, as Māori are Polynesian too. We have a haka sub, it's called uh, the Sibatau. So the Sibatau is very similar, but we're, it's in Samoan language and with different actions. So out of respect, we, we face them by challenging with our own haka called the Sibatau. Yeah, cool. Hey, listeners, I've already seen the cover of the new book that Filippo has created. It's called Tackle Your Success. Filippo, congratulations on, on doing this book. I'm really excited for you to see it coming out and taking your experiences and your knowledge and your insights and putting it into book. Tell us a little bit about the book. What's it about? The whole book, the whole premise is to help athletes after, after sports, helping them with a new life after sports. So it's giving professional athletes tools to understand what happens next. As a former athlete for 13 years of professional rugby, I found it really challenging mentally going from, you know, from a sport that I love and I'm passionate about that, you know, I got paid really good money and I was really, you know, very um, grateful and to be in the position, very privileged at the same time, but also working hard to be there. So when you stop all of a sudden in your early thirties, that's it. You've actually retired. You, as you, you're not 65 or 70, you have another 30, 40 years of work to do. So, so the book is pretty much the, the steps and I use tackle as an acronym to take them through my stories, but also through a lot of some questions in terms of, you know, how to, how to go from here to there. So it's a more, more of a how-to book, but with a lot of stories sort of intermixed into, uh, into the chapters. Yeah, tremendous. That's going to be very exciting to, to see that come through. Now, when you talked about the transition, I'm sure it's also the same for a lot of people who have been, as an example, some of our listeners may have been in the corporate world and now all of a sudden they want to go and start their business. There's all sorts of different scenarios. But I think is it more about them as professional athletes reinventing themselves into another sort of career, into another thing that they might want to go and step into? Is, is that how that you would say it? It is. It's a, you have to reinvent yourself. You need to leave one life and then move into the next. You almost say you're, yeah, it's almost your mourning. It is, it's, it is, you are mourning a life that you have to leave behind. And many people get stuck in, you know, thinking of the past where, they have to move forward. So if, if they move forward, then they're always going to be that, oh, that person that played rugby, that person that played a basketball, that person that played football, that person that played golf. And you have to move move ahead. But also that doesn't mean that you stay, that doesn't mean that you leave sport altogether. Quite a few players do actually go coach, let's say rugby. So we're quite a yeah. few former players. So who will stay in the same industry and actually it's aligned to whatever their goals have had, to their values and they've just moved on. So yeah, it is, it is morning one career, but then moving ahead, but with a plan. Yeah, it's interesting because the, the opening of the show, I mentioned that many leaders are not changing quick enough. And I think it's leaders, organizations, they're not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. And I think this is just a, a prime example of what you're sharing there with individuals from a, from a professional athlete perspective. And I think it's massive. I think it's huge what you're doing there. So awesome. Filippo, how did you get into leadership? I guess I'd say it was a, it was a natural progression. I guess I've always been told to speak in front of people where I didn't want to speak. So it was almost, okay, you're, you're speaking. When do I speak? You're speaking tomorrow in front of who? <laughs> uh, so I guess I started from home, from you know, being speaking in front of, say, church and Samoan culture. We, have, we were sort of, I'm not sure if it's forced. <laughs> but you gotta, you, know, you have to listen to mum. Because if you don't listen to mum, then, you know, you're just part of, you know, you got to respect your mum and your parents. So, you know, she tells you what to do. Then you jump and you say, how high? <laughs> so... So I guess it's sort of progressed from that into sports and, uh, and then going into rugby after high school, being asked to speak. Man, look, I was nervous first time I spoke around 2021 20, in front of corporates. I was like, oh my goodness, mate, 
you know, I had a lot of arms, 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 and oh, I don't know. So I didn't have much structure. So, but I guess through leadership, more leadership is for me was through the actions, what I did on the sports field. So a lot of my actions were in terms of sports. I always wanted to be either the, the best tackler, the, the best defender in the team. I wanted to so-called protect my teammates from, from the opposition. So I've always had that sort of protector sort of mentality to, to be the one to be there for, for people, to, to help them and, you know, make sure that they're okay. Yeah, that's very good. And I can see that you, knowing you as well and uh, watching you, you're very much that servant wanting to help people around the servant leadership and, and helping them be the best that they can be too. And when you were actually playing the professional sports and doing so, what was one or two things you would do? Because you talked about before about it's our morning, right? It's, it's what we do and that. What was one or two things that would set you up for success in your day as a professional athlete or in a game? What was one or two things that would set you up for success? Probably the biggest thing is the mental preparation. So we talk about a lot of the mental preparation for sports athletes. It starts with the individual. So making sure when, we're, when we come to the Monday after a game, we're able to, to look at the game and get feedback, make sure you get your feedback straight away. In sports, it's, very, it's quite brutal. You can get really brutal uh, feedback. And I know a friend of mine, Seto Tieta, mentioned the former All Black Scrimbridge, Mike Cron, said there were three sort of versions of feedback for regular players. The first one was a five-star feedback. For the five-star feedback is when you, you, you see a player, you film them, and you show them straight away what they did and show them what, what, how they can improve straight away. That's five-star. So you're showing them on the video, they look at it, and they understand what's happening, and you move on. A three-star is you wait after training and you show them. You know, they've probably forgotten a wee bit. Okay, so you... You move on. A one-star feedback is when you wait a week. By then, the player or the person's totally forgotten what, you, what happened on the training day and said, okay, yeah, whatever. So you've, you've lost that sort of engagement. You've, you've, you've lost that opportunity to engage them, to get them to grow at 1%. So Mondays are, are feedback situations and, and it carries on during the week. So so you're, you're preparing mentally, but you're also getting that feedback so then you can go into the game ready to play. Yep, cool. So you're, you're sitting the week up for... That one game to play. When I say that one game, the game to play. So you're sitting the week up, you're getting feedback, you're doing things, trying things, practicing things, redoing it, more feedback and so forth in the moment. And then you're preparing to go live on game day. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Now, your name, Filippo, how did you get to the name Filippo? How did your parents get to that name? It's my grandfather's name. So it's my mum's dad's name. Yep. And I guess Filippo is a transliteration of uh, the English word Philip. So I guess when you look back into the history of the Pacific Islands, uh, when the missionaries came from Scotland and around England, you know, they came to the Pacific Islands uh, around the early 18, 1800s, they actually, you know, took our language and they translated it into English and they put a language onto Samoan language, put into Bible. And from the Bible, there were names like Philip, you know, the, the uh, disciples. So I guess it comes, it comes from, from the Bible, but it comes from the translation from the missionaries. So. So if you look at the Italians, there's a Filippo there, there's a Filippi, there's a so a lot of lot there's a lot of similarities, but the but Filippo just means Philip. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. And because I think I think in French, I think it's Philippe. Philippe, yeah, Philippe, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership Is Changing with your host Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.